Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I wanted to talk to you today about how to talk to your kids, because it may seem obvious how to connect and talk to your kids, but doing it for a living, you really get to really get to develop the fine art (laughs) of talking to kids and getting them to open up, especially if you have to talk to kids hour after hour after hour, and you get a zillion, I don't know, I don't know, mm, mm. (laughs) you start to really, you know, want to fine tune the ability to pull things out of kids. But when you're a parent, not a therapist, it's a little bit different too, because you don't want to shut your kids down. And you really want to encourage them. And you have a lot more time than a 55-minute session to get your kids to open up. So today I want to talk about how our reactions really impact how our kids will be in the future with us, whether they'll continue to open up or where they won't. Because our reactions are pivotal in developing ongoing communication. So you might be like, what is she talking about? What is this? And I want to talk about how we react to things that our kids tell us. So this could be really anything. So it's not necessarily just anxiety or OCD related, although it definitely can be about that as well. And I'm going to go into the nitty gritty about that in particular as we progress through this podcast episode. But first, I just want to talk about in general terms. So a lot of times I notice when kids come into my practice and I'm talking to them alone, I don't do this as often anymore in my practice because my practice is much more narrowed. It's just anxiety and OCD. And so more often than not, I have a parent in the session with me. But in my youngin days, when I worked with any issue and all issues, I often met with kids alone. And then I'd meet with the parents every three sessions. I've changed my style. That's not what this podcast is about. But um, so I saw a lot of kids alone in the past. And when they were having relationship issues with their parents, I would ask them, what's the hardest part about talking to your parents? What's the, what's the biggest challenge? And more often than not, they would say something about how the parent reacted to when the child disclosed something, how they reacted when the child would open up to them. And I found that to be really interesting because it was over and over again. That's what I was hearing from kids. And it's what I heard from my own kid, my own oldest kid. I've learned since then with my other two kids have come after the first child is always the experiment (laughs) not to do that because I want to open up the communication. So I'll give you some examples of what I'm talking about. When a child is complaining about a peer or a kid, a friend, and they're having a fight, we have to be really careful not to swoop in and talk about advice So the first thing I see more often than not when things are going wrong is that we swoop in and we give advice too quickly. And this is hard because this is very counterintuitive to me, especially being a therapist, to not swoop in and start to tell my child um, or a child in therapy exactly what to do. Oh, this is the problem. Well, you misread that cue. They weren't really making fun of you. And so you need to go back tomorrow and just tell them that you really want to play with them don't do that. (laughs) It seems like the right thing to do. Your child's having a problem. Let me just fix it for them. Let me swoop in and tell them 
what to do next. But what I have found from all the kids that have talked to me and my own child is that they don't want us always to swoop in and fix it. Sometimes, and this is what my own daughter told me when she was about 12 or 13, she's 15 now, was it feels like we're blaming them. And so with my oldest daughter, she had a lot of social struggles and she would tell me a social situation and I'd be like, oh my gosh, no, no, no. I can't believe that happened. Don't do that ever again. This is what you should do. And I probably phrased it in a little bit of a softer way, but it felt like I was blaming her. And, and instead I thought I was trying to be helpful and giving her some advice of how to fix whatever was going on. It wasn't being perceived that way. And over time, she stopped talking as much and telling me situations until finally we actually had a talk about it. What's stopping you from communicating how your day is? And when she was little, like 12, 13, she said, because you always, you know, you always want to fix it and you always think it's my fault. And so that was a huge learning curve, even for me to pull back and to just sit there and validate and listen. And so and that's what I do in my therapy. So why wouldn't I do that with my own kids? So the first point that I want to make today is even if you just want to swoop in and solve that, solve that problem, take, take a step back metaphorically and just validate. And I know that sounds like a cheesy therapist thing to say, but like, just be there with your child and just empathize. So even if you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. That was a horrible thing to say or a horrible thing to do. Just sit in empathy for a little while so that your child feels heard. And I don't think that we as parents do that enough. We don't sit with our kids and just validate it. I'm trying to think of a non-therapy word, (laughs) but I don't speak anything other than therapy words, but you know what I mean? Connect and let them know that they've been heard. So yes, that was rude of her. I can imagine that was really hurtful for you, or that was really upsetting, or yeah, that test does sound like it was really challenging for you. Or, yeah, I know that you didn't want to go to school today. And I know that was really hard for you. So just reflect back that you get it. And then ask them, like literally outright ask them, do you want, do you want me to offer some suggestions on how to deal with this? You'll be surprised. A lot of times kids will say, no, no, I got it. I just wanted you to hear me. And we do this even as adults. If you go into my private Facebook group, which by the way, is growing really big. We're eventually going to get to 10,000 pretty quickly. So if you're not in there, it's facebook.com slash group slash AT parenting anxious kids. But even in that group, a lot of times parents will put in their thread. I'm just venting. I don't want advice <laughs> because we're just big kids, right? Sometimes we just want to be heard and we don't want advice. Okay. So that's my first point is sit with the feelings and then don't quickly try to fix. My second point is Don't punish when your child is being open and revealing something that you would not know otherwise. Now, this is a slippery slope because I guess it kind of depends on what the issue is, but I want to praise and celebrate things that they're going to tell me that they would not normally tell me. And the last thing you want to do is punish them for something that you didn't know that they trusted to reveal to you because they were being open and they were being connected. And then you turn around and you say something like, well, you can never see her again. Or you know what? She is such a bad influence. Um, You know, I didn't know she was doing that. So you can't see her ever again. Or I didn't know that you stole that from me. So now, you know, you're grounded for two weeks. You really don't want to have discipline right after your child is revealing something to you they normally wouldn't. 
So I would be very aware of that. Now, I'm not saying don't file that information away and save it for later so that when, you know, your child wants to go hang out with someone that seems like not the greatest person in the world, you can be like, well, we're kind of busy today. Or maybe you can have a discussion down the road. But if you even have a discussion down the road and you say, you know, you told me all these things that they do that are horrible, I don't want you to hang out with them. Unfortunately, even though it seems unfair, they're going to use that against you. And they're going to say, well, I'm not going to tell you anything anymore because when I tell you things, you, then you say, oh, they don't sound safe or the family doesn't sound safe. And so I'm not going to open up. So it is a really hard tightrope because you want to protect your kids. And that information might open your eyes to dangers that you didn't know were happening. But you just want to be careful that your child doesn't connect the dots and says A plus B equals C. Now, the same thing can happen with little kids. So even if you have like a five-year-old or a six-year-old and they confide in you that they're having a problem with a peer or a teacher, a lot of times when they're that little, we don't ask for permission to get involved. And so we swoop in and we might go to the teacher and we might have a chat with them or we might call someone's parents and have a chat with them and talk about something that is not working out for our kid. Now, when they're little and maybe socially anxious, they might feel betrayed by that. So we want to be really, really careful to partner with them and say, hey, you know, I don't like the way the teacher did that with you. Is it okay? And I know that sounds weird when we're talking to a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a seven-year-old, but is it okay if I talk to the teacher? And they might initially say, no, that's going to be so embarrassing. And then you walk them through it and you say, well, this is what I would say. And I would talk to her in private and I would just say, you know, that you're having a hard time, that I noticed you're having a hard time, not that you told me. Anyway, you can frame it in a way that might reduce their anxiety. Now, ultimately, you might want to tell the teacher anyway, and you have to make a game time decision on that, but you would still be having a conversation with your child so they don't feel betrayed. So these are some of the big things I see that shut down communication is when you have these reactions where you're overreactionary and you, one, give too much advice too quickly, or two, you punish them for something that they're revealing while they're talking, or three, you try to fix the problem by going to the teacher or uh, a kid's parent and the child would not be okay with that. So those are three things. The fourth thing I see is sometimes we take their private information and we share it with other people. Um, We share it with our friends or our relatives, or we're talking on the phone with our sister or our best friend and our kids overhear us talking about them. We don't see it as a problem because we're like, well, what's the big deal? Like she's my best friend. I'm just venting. It's my parenting that I'm talking about, but really it involves them. And when we have anxious kids, a lot of times they are, and kids with OCD are very sensitive often. And so they can feel a great sense of betrayal when they hear you talking. For my podcast and my YouTube channel, I talk to my kids and I say, this is what I do. And I give a lot of examples and I use you guys in my examples. Is that okay with you? And I get their permission. I say, I don't tell, I don't, no one knows your name or anything. Um, but sometimes I will use examples and you guys are going to be in there. So I have a conversation with my kids all the time and I touch base with them all the time about making sure they're okay with that because we really want to be respectful of, of partnering with our kids when it comes to their life and the things that they're revealing to us. Okay. Now my next point, and I should stop counting because I'm going to lose count. I think this is my fifth point. So my fifth point is you don't want to overreact. Now, I already talked about overreacting when it comes to talking to the teacher or, you know, talking to a friend's parent. But now I want to talk about the overreaction when it comes to what they're telling you. 
kids can tell us really upsetting things. So we want to have a good poker face. We don't want to give it too much emotion. So if our kid is telling us something um, that they're anxious about, we don't want to meet them with our own anxious thoughts and our own overwhelm. We want to fake it till we make it. We want to be calm. So when our kid says, I never want to go to school again, and it pokes at our anxiety where we think, oh my gosh, you have to go to school. I have to go to work. And if you don't go to school, I can't go to work. And what does this mean for our mornings? And is this like the new beginning of battles every single day? I can't handle that. I'm already overwhelmed. And right. (laughs) So then you meet your child's comment with a lot of anxiety and a lot of energy. And I, my kids always make comments that are super scary in the moment. Like I never want to go to school again, or I don't want to ever, whatever again. And the next day is always better. So if it's something new that your child's saying, you want to model that calmness. You can freak out inside. I do all the time because unfortunately I have a zillion examples from my practice and from, you know, just moderating the Facebook group and working with parents online. I know exactly where any anxiety or any fear or any new problem can go in the very extreme. So that doesn't help my own anxiety because my child can say, I'm having a hard time pooping. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're gonna have to go to the hospital. You're going to get impacted. (laughs) Like whatever their comment is, I know how bad it can get. So when they say, I don't want to go to school today, I can think of all the school refusal that so many of us deal with and how bad that can get. And I can get overwhelmed. But my answer to my child will be, I know it's really rough going to school. I know that makes your anxiety really bad. I get it, right? So first I'm connecting and empathizing. And then I might say, but, you know, we all have to go. How can we make it better? What's the worst part about going to school today? And we're going to have a dialogue about it, but I'm calm. I'm not freaking out. So you have to kind of fake it till you make it. When you have a child with OCD, they can tell you really disturbing thoughts because OCD does like to freak everybody out. And when you when you freak out, especially when you have a child with OCD, like moral OCD or harm OCD, where their intrusive thoughts are polar opposite of who your child is and they want to they're having a thought that is completely inappropriate, whether they want to say a bad word or they want to hurt someone or hurt themselves and it's moral or harm OCD. I'm not getting into that today. I have plenty of podcast episodes on that topic. You can just search it and you'll find them or go on my website at atparentingsurvival.com. There's a search button at the very bottom. You can always search topics. I have hundreds and hundreds of articles, podcast episodes, and YouTube videos on everything imaginable. But when your child says something like that, if you have a really strong reaction, like, well, what makes you, what makes you say that, you know, and um, do you think you're going to do something bad tonight? Or do you always have these thoughts, you know, and, and you start to grill them? that validates the OCD. So if you already know your child has these themes, you want to remain calm, talk to the therapist about it. If you're working with a therapist or um, process it a little bit later with your child, although it's better to probably work with the therapist, especially with moral OCD, but your reaction, your strong reaction can definitely make it worse because when kids see that you're worried and you're panicked by it, they get more worried and they get more panicked. And so what they wind up doing is not talking to you about it anymore. And that's the last thing we want. We, we want kids to feel like we're there to support them. We don't want them to do compulsions with us, but we want them to feel like we're there to support them. Okay. So my last point is when our kids 
reveal their anxiety or OCD struggles, because that's pretty much what we always talk about, anxiety and OCD. So I'm moving away from typical behavior. Now I'm moving into the world of anxiety and OCD. So when our child starts to ask us or more likely tell us about their anxiety issues or their anxiety themes, and we get overzealous, and I talk a lot about being overzealous as not like the best thing in the world. I have, there are really three ways to deal with anxiety and OCD. And one is to be overzealous in the way that you want to help them. So you are, you're like Uber coach, but it's, you're not even a coach because you just are taking on your child's journey as your own. So if you could manually like just beat anxiety out of your kid, (laughs) not literally, but you would, because that's what you want to do because you just want it to go away. So being overzealous is one type of parenting that comes out of anxiety and OCD. Being punitive is the other end of the spectrum where we're, we're maybe we're still overwhelmed and anxious. Maybe we dealt with our own stuff and we don't want our kid to, so we can get punitive. I don't see that as much I often see that more with a partner who does not understand anxiety or OCD or a parent, maybe you, who doesn't understand anxiety and OCD. So you feel like this is maybe entitled behavior, or maybe this is opposition, or maybe this is just difficult behavior and you want to discipline it out. That doesn't work either. So the best approach is this middle approach, which is we all teeter to one side, to the other side. That's just normal, but we want to gravitate back to the middle. That's our, that's our ultimate goal is to be in that balance, to be in that middle zone of where we set firm boundaries and we empathize with our kids, but we don't over empathize and we don't get overzealous, but we are not punitive. It's a hard balance. And none of us can be in that middle sweet spot all the time. It's a it's a spot that you're trying to always kind of move back towards. It's a spot that I'm always trying to move myself back towards, but you're going to move to the left and you're going to move to the right. And that's just part of parenting. It's messy. But if your child reveals new anxiety themes or new OCD themes, and you are like the anxiety police or you're the OCD police, and you are constantly pointing it out nonstop and your child does not want to communicate, your child does not want to work on it, or Your child doesn't want you to measure the soap every time they wash their hands, or they don't want you to run around saying, are you doing a mental compulsion? Are you doing a mental compulsion? Or they tell you they're anxious and you say, you know, fight your fears. Now you're going to just sit in the dark. They don't want that. So you have to, you have to get a better approach and soften it and not be as directive. You have to be able to read your child's cues and take things at their pace, not your pace. And that is an art It's an art that I talk a lot about. It's an art that I'm trying to fine tune myself as a parent because none of us are going to get this perfect. It's messy, but I think you just being cognizant of the fact that when your child opens up and tells you a new anxiety theme or a new OCD theme, one, you want to remain calm. You don't want to like ask them a zillion questions in one sitting and you don't want to be overzealous. You don't want to take their journey away from them, sit in the driver's seat when it's not even your car and start to do things to them instead of with them. That is the quickest way to shut kids down and have them not share any new information with you. And communication is so key. And I talk about it often, and I talk about it in my online classes as well. So I hope you found this episode helpful in just some (laughs) no-nos for talking to your kids and trying to get them to open up and share more with you. That is the ultimate goal. I do have some other episodes that could be pretty helpful for you as well. In particular, I would check out episode four 
um, one of my very first episodes ever called Parenting Kids Who Don't Talk, A Child Therapist's Secret to Getting Kids and Teens to Open Up. And I cover some of the, what we just talked about. Um, I don't even remember. It was so long ago what else I talk about. But that's another episode to listen to on this topic if you want a little bit more meat um, and you're not done with this topic yet. So I hope you're enjoying this episode and this podcast. And if you are, there's a great way to give back. You can just leave a star on iTunes under my name. And that shows other parents that you find value in this podcast. So I greatly appreciate that. If you want to go one step further, I really appreciate when people take the time and effort to leave a review. So if you have something nice to say about the show and take the time to leave a review, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm thanking you ahead of time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse and we had tried counseling and it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were, you know, you have three kids, but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just, you know, life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical real-life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I to recognize um, the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Her tools are, I mean, life-changing. She has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children um, who battle anxiety and OCD. It is so exciting to see him about a year later just thriving in school. She really has guided us the whole way, and without her, our lives would be very different. We're very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy, and sometimes it feels hopeless. And um, in a desperate time in my journey with my son, I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support, and I I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal and they are some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD. Hi, my name is Natasha Daniels and I understand what it's like to raise kids with anxiety and OCD. I'm doing it every single day. And I also know what it feels like to empower them, to give them the skills and tools to help themselves, to watch them blossom face their fears and become more than their anxiety and more than their OCD. And I want to do that for you as well. Join me in the AT Parenting Community, where I partner with you and walk alongside you in your journey, helping you getting to know your family and your child's particular needs and particular struggles. I'll help guide you and walk you through ways to empower your own kids and see success in your house. You will finally have someone in your corner who not only has the understanding of your struggle, but has the expertise and knowledge to help get you through it. You can find out more about the AT Parenting Community 
at atparentingcommunity.com or you can text all one word atparentingcommunity to 44222. Together we can do this. She's really good and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for over five years. I have trained my brain and you can do the same thing.